Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. After a couple weeks hiatus, the No Huddle podcast presented by 49ers Web Zone is back on the air. I'm Al Sacco here with Zane Nakvi. And as always, remember, you could find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at our podcast page on 49erswebzone.com. So football is still about five, six weeks away from camp opening up. And this is the time of year when I know for me personally, I start to get a little antsy. I want the season to start. The draft and all the hype from it started to fade away. Mini camps and OTAs are over. Now we just wait. And Zane, I know you were big Warriors. You were into the Warriors this year and their run to the championship. But now that football is done and now that football is not quite here yet, I should say, uh, what do you do to fill up your time sports-wise? Are you a baseball guy or? Well, I mean, you said it yourself. I mean, the, the, the dubs, right? Like Bay Area through and through. So, you know, they brought it back to the Bay and they did it in five. And, you know, I don't usually get these things right, but I finally got one right. And, uh, you know, just just today, just looking on Twitter, the way that the Warriors have turned the league upside down and the, the rumors that you're seeing and the, the big stars that you're seeing going here and there, like Paul George, is he going to the, the Celtics or is he going to the Lakers or is he going to the Cavs? And LeBron might leave to go to the Lakers. It's it's unbelievable. And and the effect that the Warriors have had on the league, they just basically wrecked this league. And, it, and it's almost one team that everybody was gunning for. And they were not only trying to beat that team, but also trying to be like that team. So right now it's just, it's just, man, it's, it's unbelievable to, to see the effect. It hasn't even been a week since they clinched a championship and already, you know, all these moves are happening. Yeah, it's, it is, it is good to see. It is good to see. Are you going to, you so what are you going to do the next five or six weeks? You're going to watch any baseball. Are you just going to kind of sit and watch NFL network and just wait for the season to start? What do you, what do you do with yourself? You know, being a Bay Area baseball fan is, is kind of tough for both teams right now. The Giants are, you know, really struggling. The A's are, you know, the A's are only four games out of a wild card spot. And I'm an A's fan. So, you know, I, there's a lot of young talent to be to be watched on the A's. And there's new uh, new management and a new ballpark coming. So I think I think they're an exciting young team to watch. So I think probably a little bit of baseball, a little bit of a uh, little bit of golf. The British Open is going to be on during the summer as well. Uh, you know, yesterday that the U.S. Open concluded and it wasn't terribly interesting. I mean, it was, you know, Brooks Kepka put on a great show, but it wasn't uh, one of those signature milestone moments where he ran away from the field. So I think it's going to be a little combination of both and uh, a little bit of traveling as well, too. What about you? I'm a big Yankees fan, so, so I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to do some of that. But other than that, man, I'm just going to just try to keep going until football season gets here. I can't wait. Um, I'm excited about this season. Um, and I know a lot of the fans are probably right there with me where there's just so much positive energy around the 49ers. They can't, they can't wait for the season to get here. But until then, you have us here at 49ers Web Zone to get you through the downtime. We have a great conversation planned with our guest today, so let's do it. He is the senior reporter for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sure you've seen the great job he does day in and day out over at 49ers.com and 49ers Studios. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe underscore fan. He is Joe Fan. Joe, thanks for being here. Hey, fellas. How we doing? I appreciate you having me. It's my pleasure. No problem. We're excited to have you. All right, Good. Joe, I'm, 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 I'm just going to come out and say it, man. Your job's pretty awesome. It really is. Can, can you tell the fans a little bit about how you started working for the 49ers and, and what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm certainly lucky, and I'm counting my blessings every day for sure. Um, you know, any, any day you kind of have a stressful day, you just kind of take a step back and realize, like, okay, I've got it pretty good. 
talking about sports for a living. Let's not take this too seriously or more seriously than we need to take it. Um, but I mean, that said, uh, I've always kind of had a, uh, a passion for sports broadcasting. Um, growing up in Seattle, Dave Niehaus, Hall of Fame Mariners broadcaster, uh, was an absolute legend and baseball is my first love. And so, uh, I just listened to him growing up and was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, in college, I was a broadcaster and was a major, opted not to go the uh, the play-by-play route and was um, kind of drawn to working on the team side. Now, when I worked for the Lakers my senior year as an intern, they had a team reporter by the name of Mike Trudell, who was kind of one of the pioneers of um, team side content um, or team-owned content. And so uh, I kind of made that my path. Um, worked for the Seahawks for a year doing video and editing, just kind of shooting uh, shooting and editing just to get my foot in the door. Um, did some work at University of Washington as a PA announcer. Uh, moved to Nashville for a season in 2014 as their main writer. And then um, just over two years ago, April of 2015, um, got hired out here by Scott Kegley uh, and Rob Alberino and um, been here since and just absolutely love it. Hey, Joe Zane here. And uh, you mentioned that you kind of started out and kind of had to work your way up the ranks. And and this year you were in the, you were actually covering the draft for 49ers.com. Can you kind of take us through like what draft day was like? It looked awesome. It looked super exciting and it was a ton of fun to watch. Can you kind of take us through what draft day was like for you? Yeah, draft day was a rush. Um, I mean, you just have no idea what's going to happen, right? And there's so much anticipation, you know, the countless, countless, countless mock drafts. And, you know, we're at the combine and, you know, there's rumors this and rumors that, and you just have no idea what's going to happen. And, and really, that's because anything can happen. I mean, you look at, you know, how, how the first 10 picks went down. I mean, nobody had that in their mock drafts, um, you know, outside of Miles Garrett at number one. So that's the fun of the draft. I mean, I, I remember sitting there. It was so hot in Philly. That was the one that I had no idea. And I was in, I had a brand new suit I was pumped to wear. And here I am just sweating in this media workroom. <laughs> and it was just nuts. I mean, the sea of people at this event in Philly um, was just wild. The red carpet. And, and then we're there just kind of waiting. And like, I kind of feel like this adrenaline start going. So I'm like, okay, we're on the clock. Like, and I, I'd heard some rumors of what might happen, but you still ne- never know. And then sure enough, the trade goes down and, and I'd been tipped off earlier that that might be something that is a potential thing. But again, certainly it's not, it wasn't a done deal. It wasn't a for sure thing. And so it's all speculation. And it was basically just, Hey Joe, be aware of this, be ready for that. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and so then, you know, we take all we trade, we take Solomon Thomas and he's there. Luckily. I mean, that was, that was really exciting to go through the car wash with him, do a quick one-on-one with him. And that takes about an hour and you're kind of totally out of, um, out of touch with everything else that's happening, right? Because like, you're kind of glancing at the TV, seeing who's getting drafted. Um, you know, as, like, I, as a UW guy, I saw John Ross win. I thought that was really cool. Um, but other than that, I mean, you kind of have, you get back to your laptop and I'm like, I have no idea what pick it is. Like, are we going to do so? Are we done for the day? Whatever. And I get word that like, all right, we'll just sit tight because like we might not be done. And so, I mean, it's just like the anticipation. You have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. Um and then obviously the trade for, for Ruben went down and it was just a rush, man. And, and so I went, I mean, and we left the draft at East coast time, like 12, 1230. I worked in my hotel room till like three thirty four East coast time. And at four thirty wow. we were, we were, I pulled an all nighter. We all did, uh, you know, uh, me and Nick Burton and, and Meg Ryan. And, you know, we get on an Uber to go to the airport and then we're on, you know, an airplane back to SFO. And then 
working, you know, straight from the airport. We came back with the two prospects and then, uh, or the two rookies, and then was working the second round until 11. That was another crazy night where it was like we took uh, a Kella Weatherspoon. It was like, all right, exciting day. Like, we traded away our other pick, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, the trade for C.J. Beathard goes down. I mean, if you recall, the press conference had already happened. I mean, John Lynch spoke to the media, and that was the idea. I mean, that wasn't, um, you know, we weren't, they, you know, from what I understand, they weren't playing games, you know, like trying to be coy. They thought their day was done, and then, you know, the opportunity arose, and they decided they needed to get C.J. Beathard where they did. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's a fire drill. We're kind of packing up our laptops, like, you know, ready to call it a night. And all of a sudden, hey, we're on the clock. Let's go. Battle stations, everybody. And so it was a total <laughs> rush. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, long, long days. But, like, when you got done, it was, I mean, I'm sure you guys experienced the same thing. I mean, sentiment was high. People were excited, uh, which is fun. People were reading what you're putting out. People were so hungry mm-hmm. to consume, you know, what was going down. I mean, maybe the best part, I skipped this part, was to interview Solomon and Ruben together in the locker room was, was really one of the cooler days I've had on the job in quite some time. I mean, that was really fun. Two guys who were just so different, but so exciting cornerstones for this franchise is the hope, you know, for the years to come. And so that was a blast. I mean, I know this is a long-winded answer getting longer and longer, but it was just a, it was a good time. I, I can't explain it, you know, any different than that. No, I think that was, that was a great, a great picture that you painted for, for us and the 49er fans. I mean, it just, there's just such a great buzz around this team. There's a lot of talent added through this draft and there's a lot of talent that's been added in the off season. And it's just, the, you know, I was I, personally, I was thrilled with the, with the way the first round went down. Ruben Foster was like my draft crush. So I was so happy when the 49ers picked him, but one of the guys that the 49ers have added, that's a really well-known la- name is Elvis Dumerville. And it was interesting in the sense that it could have a ripple effect on the roster with having him there to be kind of a mentor to Solomon Thomas, uh, Eric Armstead, and DeForest Buckner on the line. And, and you know, do you think he's going to be just a rotational pass rush, pass rush specialist, or is he going to have a, a kind of bigger role as a, as a mentor as well? Well, I think I'd say this for starters. Uh, well, two parts to that. One, Jeff Scanina, the team's defensive line coach, said it's going to be a, a rotation with everybody. I mean, everyone is going to be rotating, which, you know, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Earl Mitchell, everybody. And so he'll be in that rotation. I mean, I don't know what they have an idea of in terms of what kind of snaps he's going to play. But if he's productive, I mean, of course he's going to have a huge role. And I think he's kind of a wild card. You don't really know, you know, obviously, you know, his pedigree and he's got nine, nine career sacks. But coming off of a couple of seasons that were marred by an Achilles injury is, you know, but it's the potential to be huge. Um, You know, you get a guy of guys of his pedigree at the pass rush position. I mean. They're not on the open market, up for grabs. And so the potential of, of what they've got in Doomerville is huge. Another thing is that, you know, yes, he's surely going to play a mentor role. I mean, that just kind of comes to the territory of being a, a decade-long NFL veteran. But what I loved about what Kyle Shanahan said about it was that we would never bring a guy in here just to be a mentor, right? And, like, that's what I love about the mindset of this new regime is we're like – Yes, we want a good culture in the locker room. We want guys who are going to help be productive. But we want productive football players. And and that's why we're bringing in Elvis Dumerville. We believe that he's got good football left in him. And so that, to me, is what made me excited, right? Because obviously, he's a veteran. He, you know, he'll be a leader. But you know, I'm not of the thought that, man, this team is dying for veteran leadership. I mean, I think Quentin Dial is a real underrated, underspoken leader on that defensive line. I think he was huge for just Forrest Buckner as a rookie last year. 
Obviously, we know what Navarro Bowman brings to the table. Eric Reed's a veteran now, especially with Antoine Bethea off the roster. And so it always helps to have another veteran presence. But I just loved hearing the head coach say, yeah, sure, that's great. It's not a bonus, but we believe that we're getting a good football player. And that pass rush, Joe, is going to be really important because there's a lot of youth in the secondary. And the cornerback group is very young right now. You have Robinson, Johnson, Witherspoon, Reeser, Redman, and and Quan Williams all in the mix. What's been your impression of that group so far, and how are they adjusting to the new scheme? I think they've been really solid. Um, I mean, there weren't a ton of big plays from the offense uh, or guys running wide open um, throughout. And I think, again, you want to talk about guys understanding that that there are not only roster spots, but there's playing time up for grabs. I mean. There's nobody slot. I mean, Rashad Robinson's probably, you know, close to a lock, right? I mean, just because based on his caliber of play, I mean, he's he just that talented. But, you know, it's a true competition to start opposite. You know, Keith Reeser and Dante Johnson have both had their moments, and they're both kind of underspoken guys, so I think it's easy to sleep on both of them. But I think they're both really talented, and I think they're both set up for success in this scheme that focuses so much on, on man coverage and just being able to, to – um, beat your man. Um, and so, you know, I think Will Redmond and uh, Quan Williams, again, in the nickel, another really great training camp competition. And so I think they've all been solid. I don't think you can say that anyone, you know, has, has been incredible and they were, you know, the darling of the offseason program, but also without pads on, without, you know, with super minimal contact, you're not going to get that from anyone, right? I mean, the whole offseason program is designed to get guys learning the scheme, learning the system. Yeah, we get a little glimpse, but anyone who wants to draw, you know, roster conclusions based on what's happened the last couple of weeks, the last month is, is way too premature for that. I mean, until we get in the training camp, you're not going to have any idea because the reps were split so evenly at so many different positions. But, but I think overall the group has looked good. I think Jeff Halfley is really excited about the group. I think keeping Jeff Halfley on staff has been huge for that group. Um, you know, for all the great new coaches that this, this, this staff has, I think, having stability there helps, especially, you know, with Richard Robinson, you know, he gets to work his first two years, the same position coach. I mean, just quite frankly, there's not many people that can say that on this roster. So, um, you know, I think that's huge. And yeah, I mean, overall, I think they've been solid is the word I would use. There haven't been any you know, glaring holes. And we really love a lot of these undrafted free agents that the team has brought in. And Al kind of touched on the youth movement that the 49ers are are rolling with right now. And some of those guys, BJ Johnson, Lorenzo Jerome, Cole Higatini, Matt Breida, there, there's a lot of talent that the 49ers found in these undrafted free agents. What do you think of the wealth of undrafted talent that the 49ers have? And how did they find these guys? Yeah, I mean, I think you first got to give props to John Lynch and his scouting department. Uh, and I think, you know, another part of that, and John Lynch has been very complimentary of the staff that he inherited. Um, you know, and you saw four guys today who were on the staff before he got there that just got promoted. Um, you know, so that's a testament to, um, you know, the, the staff that Trent Balky put together. And, and, and John Lynch has been very complimentary of, of the scouts that he's kept on board, which, again, I mean, to me feels like – you know, majority, there hasn't been a ton of turnover there. Um, and so that's huge props to them. I mean, finding those guys and selling them on what the opportunity is. And Kyle Shanahan has been steadfast that every position is up for grabs and every uh, roster spot is up for grabs. And so that's an easy sell to an undrafted free agent. Like, look, we were 2-14 and 14 last year. We're a new regime in here. We're trying to make an imprint on the roster and get our guys in here who are going to buy in, um, compete every day, 
um, and get this thing headed in the right direction. And so uh, that's an easy sell, in my opinion, to an undrafted free agent. You saw a lot of the, you know, big name guys, you know, started with KD Cannon and they started, you know, and Cole Hecatini, two guys who are the most heralded undrafted free agents, you know, following the day three of the draft. And then, so those guys get here, but Kyle Shanahan and company still stick true to what they believe in. You know, this is, it doesn't matter how much we paid you, you know, BJ Johnson beat out Katie Cannon for a roster spot as a tryout guy. He got the spot. Uh, and so, you know, you're holding guys accountable to what you're saying. Um, but you're also, it shows that what you're saying is valid and your word has some merit where you're not just making empty promises. And I think that goes a long ways, not only with the young guys, but the veterans as well. Like you heard Joe Staley last week saying, you know, how excited he is about Kyle Shanahan, enjoying playing football again. You've seen all those quotes. Um, but in regards to the undrafted free agent talent, I mean, it's exciting. And Matt Breda is fast. I mean, there's a player to every single practice that we were out there where you're just like, that dude's got wheels. And that's all you're taking away from it, right? Because there's no tackling, mm-hmm. you know. But when he just gets going and stretches those legs out, I mean, he's fast. B.J. Johnson was pretty good. Uh, I think um, – you know, Kendrick Bourne, Victor Bolden Jr. I mean, all those guys are intriguing names. You know, they have a build that looks good. I mean, they've they've made a couple of plays. Um, you know, obviously Kendrick Bourne was gone for the most part. because uh, Eastern Washington was on the same rules, same uh schedule as Stanford was. But yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, I think it's the same thing with free agency in my opinion. It's exciting to have guys who are buying into what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are selling and want to be a part of it. Uh, I mean, that to me is the big takeaway everyone should have. I remember when, when they hired Lynch, Joe, and you mentioned about the scouts they already had on board, but I was really curious what, you know, with Lynch being new to the job, the people he was going to bring in, who was he going to surround himself with? And you see these guys that he's brought in, Adam Peters, Mayhew from Detroit. It, it's almost like he's putting together the Avengers of scouting. I mean, these guys are, <laughs> are start they're studs, you know, that he's putting around him. Um, when you see that, just, just just what does that tell you about the new guy coming in when you see him put those kind of people around him? It tells me that he had a plan. It tells me that he'd been thinking about this, and he knew if he were to take the job, these were the uh, the dominoes that he would want to fall. Um, I mean, what? It took him less than 24 hours of, oh, my gosh, this guy's in over his head. He's a broadcaster, not a front office guy. What are the four dinners doing to, oh, shoot, he just got Adam Peters away from John Elway in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot, he added a former GM who's done it before, Martin Mayhew. I mean, that speaks volumes about the kind of person he is um, and who he's able to get, who people who want to work for him. But the biggest quote I've heard from John Lynch, and he said this in his opening as like a conference call, I love this. And I think everyone should, should take this as gold in, in terms of their own life, right? Like everyone always wants to be the smartest guy in the room and especially, you know, in professional sports, right? Like there's a lot of ego involved um, everywhere, right? I mean, throughout the league, throughout professional sports, no matter what sport it is. Mm-hmm. So for John Lynch to come in and say, um, I'm really good at this. I believe in myself in this, but I know what I don't know. I mean, like how big is that? Like this guy just got his dream job is embarking on this brand new journey and he's going to start it and humble himself by saying, I know what I don't know. I've never been in a front office before. Okay, well, Adam Peters has with two great organizations. Well, I've never sat in the GM chair on draft day. Well, Martin Mayhew has. I mean, like this is just a guy. Like He's such an incredible leader. You listen to him speak, and you're just like, I want to follow that guy. 
Um, and so that to me is what I take away from who he's got to, to, to be on his staff. And they're great complimentary pieces. I mean, Adam Peters, it won't be long before he's a GM. Um, you've seen those reports and there's just no doubt. I mean, he's a, such a sharp guy, good dude. Um, it's been great. Uh, I mean, that's really just like, I loved what I've seen from him. I think he's a man of his word. Uh, in terms of, of Lynch. Um, and again, going back to, I know what I don't know. That to me will always speak volumes. Um, you know, when I think of John Lynch. We mentioned uh, Cole Hikatini a little bit earlier and, and I was shocked he didn't get drafted. I know he had the injury, but I actually had mocked him to the 49ers later. And I was really excited when, when they were able to get him and he's got a great shot to make this team because the tight end competition is wide open right now, but you have so many names that could end up starting for this team. Logan Paulson, George Kittle, Vance McDonald, Garrett Selleck, any of these guys I feel like can be starters. What have you seen so far from that competition? And, and do you think the competition sort of raised the energy level with those guys at all so far in the early going? I think to me, that might be, if not the best training camp competition, certainly one of the most intriguing um because again like you said you have the two veterans the incumbents um three if you throw in blake bell um and then you know a pair of young guys who are really interesting and they both made plays during the offseason program again way too early to even begin to make roster decisions you know unless you're claiming you know using the phrase you know my way too early roster prediction um but you're right. It's fascinating. I mean, I think they could go so many different directions. It makes it hard to predict. It also makes it hard to predict because you don't know how many they'll keep. Right? Like, do they keep three and count use check as three and a half? Do they keep yeah, he, four the wild with card. a fullback yeah. with yeah. a fullback all to himself? Right? I mean, you know, use check's going to be on the roster, but mm-hmm. you know, it just depends. Like, how does that change how they feel about the tight end position? I think that's a huge factor that you have no idea because you don't know what those meetings are going to be like, and it might be something where you know, they plan on keeping three, but if they get blown away and feel like we can't get rid of this guy, then they keep four and they have the fullback position for five. Um, who knows? But I think it's certainly um, going to be a fun one to watch. Um, you know, I don't know if, it, you know, I don't think there was any point where you're like, okay, these guys are, you know, competing their tails off, like fighting for roster spots, right? I mean, I mean, everyone's out there working hard, but you didn't feel like any, you know, nervous pressure or tension or whatever. Um, but I'm sure they all know. I mean, everyone they're all professionals. They all understand the business, um, you know, especially the veterans on the team. Um, you know, they've, they've been around enough to know that um, nothing's ever guaranteed. So I don't think there's a ton to take away so far, but uh, I'm glad you brought it up because that to me is one of the, the competitions I'll be watching real closely. And we kind of touched on this when talking about John Lynch and how he hired guys that were uh, familiar with him and vice versa. It seems kind of like they've done that with the roster too. And and one guy that sticks out to me uh, that's really familiar with the system is Brian Hoyer. And he mentioned that he and some of the other wide receivers are going to get together before camp starts. I believe they call it camp Hoyer, if I'm not mistaken. And yes, I heard that term floating around. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, camp Hoyer is, is, is the official term, I guess. And he's, he's proved to be a leader and is kind of familiar with this offense and this scheme. What do you expect from him this year, not only on the field, but also off the field as well? Yeah, you know, I would say stability. Uh, I think he's a guy's body of work to where when he's on the field, you know what you're going to get. Um, and I think that's why he's so appealing to have, you know, for Kyle Shanahan and uh, in his first year with the 49ers. Um, you know, I think he's just a smart veteran presence leading your huddle. Um, you can't put a value on that. And 
I think for him, the biggest thing is just staying healthy. I mean, he's had plenty of success, but you know, him staying on the field has been, has been the hardest part. So you look at last year, he only played five games. Well, he had five 300 yard performances um, with a, with a team that I don't think he played a game with Alshon Jeffrey. And if he did, it was one or two. Um, And so, you know, I, I think, He's just a guy that's going to be solid, um, you know, and he has the ability to put up big numbers if need be. Uh, I'm sure they're going to want to be very balanced and have, you know, a healthy running attack as well. But, um, you know, I, I think it always helps, you know, when a coach is in his first year, especially an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan, you want a quarterback you can trust. And you're getting a guy who's already been in your system. You've already, you know, been in the trenches with them. Like, right, you don't know how guys are going to respond on game day um, that you haven't played with before or coached before. But he knows what Brian Hoyer is all about. He knows the kind of pro that Brian Hoyer is. He trusts that, you know, when, when things might not be going as planned, he's not a guy who's just going to fold up shop and um, and that's going to be that, right? And so I think that's a huge part of it. I think that's a, a big comfort for Kyle Shanahan. I think it's a big comfort for Brian Hoyer. So I think for all parties involved, it's, it's pretty beneficial. Yeah, Hoyer's the only uh, Browns quarterback since they came back in the league to have a winning record, I think. I think he was 10-6 and six with them. And and has it's almost like he has unfinished business with um Kyle Shanahan because it started out so well that year in 2014 and kind of didn't get to finish what they started. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, Joe Staley said recently, and we alluded to this, that he, he's having fun again. And, and there really is, you know, after a couple down years, all of a sudden there's just this positive vibe happening again. Can you guys feel that in the building? Do you just feel that... It started. Things are starting to swing the other way, and and there's just a good vibe around the players and the staff and everything like that. Yeah, I think you can certainly feel the pendulum swinging. Um, you know, and you can't compare regimes and and whatever. But all you can speak to is, you know, I think it started with John Lynch. He's a guy that breeds positivity. Um, you know, and and everything everything is just everything has felt like it made sense, right? John Lynch. Okay. We don't really know. Like, but you know, we like, you know, we're intrigued by the guy, Hall of Fame caliber player, great broadcaster, kind of good at everything he does, former baseball player, you know, kind of that golden boy, um, if you will. Uh, Then Kyle Shanahan comes on board and you see what Kyle Shanahan outside of the fourth quarter of the the Super Bowl, I mean, all the way through the playoffs, I mean, just dissecting teams. And you see those reports, you start to get excited. And then you know, it's the guys who join John Lynch's staff and then it's free agency and you get like 10 guys day one and then the draft comes. You get two players who, who national experts are excited about, and, you know, that can't help but get you excited. And so, yeah, I think everything that's happened is just like, OK, all right, like I'm in on that. I'm in on that. And obviously not everything's going to turn out. You know, that's just the nature of the business. But um, everything has felt like it's a step in the right direction. Um, and again, it's the honeymoon period of the new team. Um, you don't know how things are going to go, how teams are, you know, how players and coaches and front office is going to respond um, to a couple losses in a row. And, you know, only time will tell in that regard. But um, yeah, it has been positive. And I think, you know, the thing with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I think they have a clear message to players. I think they're also willing to hold people accountable. Um, and, I, you know, I think overall, I mean, there's just so much respect for Kyle Shanahan, I mean, you hear players talk about him. It's like they're in awe of his mind, right? I mean, I've seen him, you know, little bits and pieces of him breaking down X's and O's. And, you know, you're looking at where the ball is and, the, you know, the people closest to it. And he's like, okay, well, this guy on the backside is going to make this tackle because this wide receiver didn't get this block. So it's a seven-yard gain, not a 12-yard gain or whatever. You know, oh, these guys are doing this and it's a two-yard loss. But 
you know, we're going to hit him again on this play, but it's going to be play action and they're going to bite on it and we'll get a huge gain in the passing game. I mean, I by no means want to talk about, you know what you don't know. I'm by no means an X's and O's guru. Um, but like just to listen to players talk about Kyle Shanahan and, and the why that's established, right? Like what Joe Staley was saying, you know, he don't, he not only tells you why or what your job is, but he tells you why it's your job and why it's important to this play. Um, and I think that has resonated a lot with players. Yeah, we've we've had a couple of players on DJ Jones and Lernels of Jerome, and we asked them about Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and and they were just gushing over the uh, over these guys, and they were the, the prevailing thought that came from them was that they're just really good dudes. They're just really good guys to talk to. They they explain things in a, in a certain way that everybody can understand it. They're just they're people. Both of them are people persons. So what you're saying to us is consistent. The, uh, with what we've been hearing from the players and it's 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 kind of interesting that everybody's getting work done but when you look at the videos on 49ers.com everybody is having fun and when they're mic'd up you can hear it and they're and they're just having fun and you know keeping on the theme of of talking to players and hearing from players who would you say is is your favorite player to interact with um without playing favorites obviously who would you say uh, is your favorite or a group of players that are your favorite to interact with Oh man, you're putting me on a spot here. Um, it's hard because it's just, I mean, you have guys who you, you know, really enjoy talking to and interviewing. You have guys who, you know, enjoy, you know, you see in the cafeteria and we'll just catch up and say what's up more off the field stuff. Uh, I mean, overall, it's a really cool roster. Um, you know, like Jeremy Curley is just like one of the best dudes that like you're ever going to meet and be around. Like, not a super loud guy, not crazy talkative, but just like a really nice guy. Um, I've really enjoyed the chance to, to get to know him a little bit. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of, you know, Defoe is a really good dude. Um, you know, I enjoy talking to Eric Reed because I think he's very insightful. I think his last presser was one of the more insightful pressers I've seen in some time. Um, uh, obviously Joe Staley is a great quote. Um, you know, I think Navarro Bowman is is great in his way because I think he's not a very loud speaker in the media, right? Like he he's pretty underspoken, but I think he's like very particular about how he chooses his words. Um, I don't think he says many things by accident, if that makes sense. Um, and I appreciate that thoughtfulness. Um, Daniel Kilgore is one of those, the funniest dudes you'll ever be around, um, and also a really good quote. Um, but just in terms of like a dude, whatever, like hanging out, like he's a fun guy. Uh, I've mentioned Quentin Dial. I think Quentin Dial is a great people. Uh, I mean, the, the whole locker room is, is really good people. Um, and obviously I have a ton of people I have to get to know, right? Like I loved Antoine Bethea and Tori Smith. Um, you know, two guys I got to know a little bit, um, you know, in a sense moved on. Phil Dawson was one of my favorite people I've ever gotten to cover in the NFL. Um and so it's exciting this year. It's like there's so many new faces where we're just kind of starting to get get to know these guys. You know, we had Kyle Juszczyk on the live show a couple of weeks ago, and it was really, you know, enjoyable to talk with him. And so, I mean, I could go on and on, right, <laughs> in terms of, of guys that, are, you know, I enjoy. And I think that's I think that's showing in, you know, the way, you know, people are writing about this team is that, um, you know, Rashard Robinson's a fascinating dude. Um you know, I think that's part of the reason why sentiment is so high right now is because there's still a lot of likable players on this team. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on all day. And Joe, you mentioned that you spent 
time immediately after they were drafted with Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster. Can you speak a little bit about when, when you're in the room or, or so close with players who are having that kind of moment in their lives? What, what was it like for them? Were, were they excited? Were there nerves? What was it like interacting with them at, at that point in the draft? I think it's surreal a little bit, right? I think it, it takes a while for it to set in. Cause it's such a whirlwind. It's like, you know, Solomon Thomas is in Philly. You know, the whole media circus right afterwards, like an hour long of just everyone asking different things of you. And then, you know, you fly early in the morning and then you've got more interviews and you're touring the building and you're meeting everybody, you know, a press conference, and yada, yada, yada. You're taking pictures and it's just such a whirlwind. I think it, um, now that's probably like the biggest takeaway is just it's nonstop. So it probably doesn't really hit them that they're in the NFL and, you know, going to be a 49er and, uh, and all that for, it probably takes a few days, you know, before they can kind of sit down and be like, what just happened? Um, but you see them get off the plane and, you know, position coaches are there waiting for them and members of the football staff and you know, there's big hugs coming off the plane. Um, you know, it's really cool to see those moments. Um, you know, it's fun to see them interact with each other. I, I mean, one of my favorite moments of that whole time during the interview, you know, we're talking about the pre-draft process and all that. and you know, Solomon brings up that he was only a junior. And all of a sudden, you know, Ruben's like, wait, you're a junior? And, you know, he's just a funny dude in general. Yeah. He's like, no way. What do you mean you're a junior? And he just kind of was like, wouldn't let go of that thought. And like, you know, it was just, it was awesome. Um, you know, them, you know, calling each other brothers right away and knowing that, you know, their time with San Francisco will be linked together, you know, forever. I mean, they are drafted in the same draft class and, um, you know, two cornerstones who were the first draft picks of the John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan era. So I think it's fun to see. I mean, anytime, you know, obviously this is, I mean, in, in general, you, you know, you know, people have successes in their life. It's fun to be around those moments, whether it's NFL players or friends or family, you know, anytime people are finding success, doing what they want to do, hard work is being realized. I mean, I think that is, those are always special moments. And so for something as big as this, you know, first round picks in the NFL, it's, not a small deal. And so it's, it's definitely fun to be a part of that experience. So Joe, according to your Twitter, um, you put out some mock-ups of the Levi stadium facelift and Levi stadium for those uh, of you who don't know is uh, getting a little bit of a facelift. They're adding uh, the five titles, the super bowls onto the, um, the luxury suite tower. And they're adding uh, the ring of honor onto the luxury suite tower as well. So um, it seems like they're making, they're, they're, they're making these changes and we've seen and heard of, people from the past like Mike Shanahan and Jerry Rice coming in, coming in to visit the team, um, things like this happening more frequent, frequently. What does that mean to you, um, you know, being with the 49ers and, and, you know, just as a fan, what does that mean to you? I think it's cool. I, I think, I mean, John Lynch said right away, cool is like literally the most basic, boring word. Um, but it is just neat. Uh, I mean, John Lynch, right when he got hired, was, you know, saying how he's going to reach out to all the legends of the team and they're always welcome. And that open line of communication and open door policy, I think is, is a huge standard to establish, um, you know, that, listen, we're trying to build this back to where it once was. And so we owe it to ourselves to make sure that the people who were, who played a prominent role in that success, feel like they're still a part of it. Um, you know, I have no idea what Jerry Rice told the team. Um, you know, John Lynch, you know, just posted on Twitter. And that was news to me like it was everybody else. But that fact alone, 
it's pretty rad. I mean, you know, this is, and again, I think it goes to show you John Lynch's, John Lynch's willingness to put his ego aside and say, you know, I can't do this by myself. Um, it's important to respect history and these guys are our history. Um, I think the ring of honor was something that fans have been clamoring for. Uh, I think that's great. It's going to be put back up, um, you know, add some character uh, to Levi stadium and really make it the home of the 49ers. Um, so I don't have much else to say on that, but I, I think it's, it's neat. I mean, you want those guys to feel involved. You never want Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, the list goes on and on to feel alienated. Yeah, and, and as a fan, I know uh, I can probably speak for Al on this too. As a fan, when you see those Super Bowl titles up there and when you see those those retired numbers up there and opposing fans coming to, come into the 49ers stadium, basically into our house and see all of those titles and all those numbers retired, it's it's almost like, you know, a badge of honor. That this this is one of the the NFL's marquee franchises, and it's it's so cool to see them doing it's that. It's one of and, the sports marquee franchises. I mean, that's, it's one of American yeah. sports marquee. I mean, you put it up there with the Yankees and Dodgers and Red Sox and Cowboys and Niners and Lakers and Celtics. I mean, and you're talking about the creme de la creme. I mean, you know, not to cut you off, it's not even just football. It's American sports in general. You can't mm-hmm. start talking about American sports without mentioning the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. And and to see, you know, to see all of that and and to honor that, it's just it's just the coolest thing and and I'm so happy that they did that. Yeah. Me too. All right, Joe, before we let you go, um we're going to do one more quick group of questions here. And we did this with DJ Jones and we did this with Lorenzo Jerome. And Zane, we got to think of a name for it, like something witty, you know what I mean, to call this segment cuz what it basically is is we 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 know about Joe Fan, we know what you do for a living. We see you 49ers.com, but but we want to know a little bit about Joe Fan the person. So we're going to ask you some like sort of fast rapid fire questions and just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. Does that sound cool? All right, let's do it. Ready, All right, here we go. As ready as I can be. <laughs> favorite movie or movies yeah i'm a superhero nerd so uh dark knight or the avengers yes dark knight is like one of my all-time favorites too unbelievable it's like the godfather of superhero movies i mean it's it's unbelievable agreed all right favorite musical group or artist oh man this is tough I know this is lightning round, but I feel like I need to explain all of these. <laughs> I, I love from... I love music, but I'm not like a diehard. I like I listen to what I enjoy, if that makes sense, right? Um, I would say it. a I group I'm super into right now. I just saw them in concert about a month ago. Uh, is Bastille? So I'll go Bastille for that one. What about your favorite team in any sport growing up? Seattle Mariners. Oh, being from you know what's interesting that I said earlier I'm a big Yankees fan. Um, and I like I grew up I'm a little bit older than you, but I grew up with you know Don Mattingly was my all time favorite player, and I remember it was '95 when the Yankees hadn't been in the playoffs in forever, and it was Mattingly's only time in the playoffs, and they were up two nothing, and in Seattle came back and won those three games, and I've hated yep. them, hate them with a passion. <laughs> I hate the Mariners. I hate the Mariners more than the Red Sox. I hate them more than the Seahawks. I hate the Mariners. But I get oh, it. You're man. from Seattle. I love so. that. You might be the only person in the entire world who hates the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. <laughs> I'll say that to people, and they're like, why do you care about the Mariners? And I'm like, I, I hate them. Like, they just, what was I, 17 or something like that? So hard, and that just is, to see that happen. That is my biggest takeaway from this entire interview, is that I found someone <laughs> who hates the Mariners. I didn't think it was possible, because I think it's like out of all, like what, baseball, basketball, football, 
the Mariners have like the the only team that has a longer playoff drought is the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, who cares about the Mariners? I hate them. Hate them. Can't stand them. But one of the first one of the first athletes I ever interviewed was was Randy Johnson. So that that was kind of interesting. So big unit, one of the best nicknames in sports. Yeah, yeah, he was he was an interesting guy. He was an interesting guy. Um, <laughs> all right, what about favorite athlete now or in the past? Yeah, easy, Ken Griffey Jr. Okay, yeah, he was he's unbelievable. I can still see him crawling up the wall at Yankee Stadium. He's unbelievable. I mean, the fact that um, I got to grow up watching him play, yeah, unbelievable. One of the best ever, and you know, no, no, nothing with steroids or anything like that with him. He was he's just an incredible baseball player. All right, favorite TV show. Game of Thrones. Yes. All right. Good. That's a good answer. If you could have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Tacos. Pizza would be a close tacos. second. Tacos. P- pizza, you said, would be the close second? Pizza would be a close second. Yep. Nice. I don't, nice. I don't think – right. I don't imagine you'd be able to get a lot of tacos in Seattle, though, growing up. I mean, you know, I, I've been to all the places up there, you know, but uh, tacos in Seattle? Yeah, it's not great, but I spent four <laughs> years. I went to school in Southern California, so I've, I've at least gotten to see uh, the good life of Mexican food as well. There you go. I mean, I'm all, I'm all about that Beecher's cheese and, you know, that Pike Place, uh, the, the <laughs> Pike Place chowder. And, man, I'm all, about, uh, I'm all about the food in Seattle. The seafood there is amazing. Yes, sir. Yeah, the Mexican, not great, but you make do with what you got. <laughs> All right, Joe, well, you really do do a fantastic job, and we really enjoy reading your stuff and, and watching you on 49ers.com. So thank you so much for your time today, and keep up the good work. Uh, Zane, Al, appreciate it. Pleasure's all mine, and I uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, Joe. All right, thanks, thanks, buddy. And thanks to all of you for joining us again. For Zane Nakfi, I'm Al Sacco, and we will talk to you soon.